Well, 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 looky here. It's time to fry some fish, huh? Hello there, everyone! Welcome to episode number 510 of this here electronic engineering podcast called Amelia's Weekly Fish Fry, brought to you by eejournal.com and written, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Amelia Dalton. My friends, this week we have a unique blend of fish fry goodness to throw your way. First up, Pete Nicoletti from Checkpoint Software and I chat about the top three cybersecurity threats facing SMBs today and why their prevention first strategy can help solve these issues. Also this week, I check out a recent study that contends that the first life in our solar system may have been on Mars. So, without further ado, please welcome the one and only Peter Nicoletti to Fish Fry. Hi, Pete. Thank you so much for joining me. Fantastic. So excited to be on your show. I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts, and I just feel the excitement oozing out of my speakers. I love that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your background. You were at Hertz Rental Car and then VP of Security Engineering at Verizon. So what brought you to Checkpoint Software and what's your role now? Well, I've been in IT for 30 years and I had started a networking company and a computer company and then the ISP out of a bedroom. And when I was running this ISP, I was hacked and and this is 27 years ago, I talked to a buddy and he says, you need this new thing called a firewall. And I'm like, what is that? And so he installed it and he goes, this hacker was really good. He patched your sister to prevent other hackers. And I'm like, well, he's not good enough to not get arrested. And I chased him down, flew up to Canada and had him arrested. And I went down the crazy rabbit hole of security started in MSSP and then got into the executive ranks because I was very aware of the business side of security as well as the technical side. And so the last couple of gigs have been on the commercial side. And when an opportunity came up with, you know, the world's leading cybersecurity company, I, I had to take it. It's a global CISO role. I'm part of a group of four CISOs that cover the globe and we work on a strategy with customers and, and meet their most craziest, you know, security challenges with our tools and, and capabilities. So it's a great job. I love it. Excellent. All right. So let's talk about Checkpoint's prevention first strategy. And what exactly does that mean for designers? Well, it's really a change in attitude from what our peers are doing and what the competition is doing. You know, everybody is pretty decent at detection and detection is not good enough anymore because of the speed between initial inception of the, you know, the initial vector being compromised and from the time till data is exfiltrated or encryption blackmail or ransomware and to where things start to be damaged. So it's no longer good enough to detect something because humans aren't fast enough to detect something and then respond to it. So you really have to have a prevention mindset. And that's where Checkpoint is absolutely in a leadership position is because we focus on prevention. So like, for example, the latest internal tests that we're doing against our peers, we're at 99.2% against 350 different zero days. Our nearest competitor with their things all out optimize is in 70%. So think about that, you know, more than 25% of the zero day attacks are going to get through our competition. 
and start affecting their processes and attempting to steal proprietary information and just, you know, making a mess of things. Prevention is so much better because you can sleep at night. Whereas detection, you got to really keep an eye on things. And even when you're keeping an eye on things, it's not fast enough. So Gil, you know, the inventor of the firewall, he's been 10 years ahead of the marketplace with the way he thinks. We were the first to announce Gen 5 attack support. And now for the last couple of years, this whole prevention first methodology and capability of all of our tools, our cloud tools, our endpoint tools, and our firewalls all have this prevention first. You know, our threat cloud is second to none. So as we see zero days out there, we're able to recognize those and distribute that out to our devices and endpoints within seconds. So it's a whole ecosystem. It's not just the configuration and where the tools are sitting, but that threat cloud and our obsession with responsiveness to new threats is what makes the whole thing work really, really well for our customers. According to a recent report, only a third of small to medium-sized businesses have adequate cybersecurity protection. So how should these SMBs be thinking about cybersecurity, Pete? Yeah, you know, they have a lot of challenges. It's typically budget and people. And the worst stat is that 42% of SMBs end up closing their doors if they're breached. You know, in Checkpoint Research... We pop out research every week. You know, the top threats are phishing, malware, credential theft, ransomware, remote access, and insider threats. And, you know, think about it. If it's a small company, it's the same person that's fixing the copier is the smartest one that, you know, okay, you got a new internet router. Oh, you know, Jimmy knows how to fix the copier. Let's get him to put the firewall in. That's not good enough anymore. Small businesses need to spend just a little bit more money. And the cool thing is with our new SMB packages where you get the endpoint tool, you get the firewall, it's all bundled together. It's like less than 30 bucks a user per year. So it's super inexpensive. You get the wireless access point, you get the cellular backup. So if if your internet goes down and it's all in a really low cost package, but the great thing about it is it's enterprise grade protection, the same code. The same threat cloud, the same capabilities are in these little sub $1,000 boxes that you can get from our SMB team. They get that level of protection and that level of enterprise support. So when you call in, you know, you're going to get top-notch support. You're not going to get some goofball in, you know, who knows where that doesn't know where to start. You're going to get some hyper-paranoid professional helping you square up your issue and support you really, really well. I love that. Now, Pete, what do you think are the top three things that they should do to protect their businesses? Well, you know, think about this. The hackers are looking for the low-hanging fruit. You know, think about the old lion parable. You just have to be faster than the slowest guy, right? And the lion's going to get that slowest guy. So your goal has to be better than everybody else because the hackers are scanning continuously. And if you are not as good as everybody else, you're going to be hacked and it's going to be uh, an issue. So I think the question was, what are the top three things? Well, phishing is key. Your endpoints are key. And then wherever your headquarters servers 
to protect them in the cloud or under, you know, Sarah's desk is our server. Wherever those three things are probably the biggest thing. You know, we know that 89% of successful malware attacks come in through phishing. So if you're on Office 365, Checkpoint has the Avanon solution, the fastest growing security tool in the business. It's absolutely the best. It installs in five minutes. It just whoops on the competition and so simple to manage. And, and it just eliminates the phishing risk because of the COVID virus and everybody's working from home. So a lot of people kind of caught them sideways and they didn't have equipment for home. So they allowed, you know, their employees to bring their own device to have to use their own laptops and their own cell phones. So that's a huge risk. So with just a simple agent installation, you can lock down that computer, lock down that uh, cell phone, even if it's a shared device because think about it your kids are on your laptop they're downloading games who knows what websites are going to you're opening up your personal email which is not typically protected by the email protection tool you're able to click on malicious links and download funky stuff and that vector gets immediately eliminated with our harmony tool and then finally, lots of small companies are recognizing the, the value of the cloud and the scalable resources and, and much more reliability and not being an expert in protecting their cloud assets. That's where Checkpoint comes in with CloudGuard, boom, it's super easy to install, click, 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 and all of a sudden you have automated protection. So if you goof up and make a misconfiguration where a lot of breaches occur with open S3 buckets and, and open ports that you forgot to close, our tool will find it, fix it, and say, hey, go back to sleep. You know, you're protected. So those three things I would say are the top three. Excellent. Now, Pete, it is time for your off-the-cuff question. Now, I know that you have a couple world records. You may be the oh, first boy. person on Fish Fry to own world records. So please tell my audience more about that. Oh my gosh, Amelia. Yeah, you did a bit of research, huh? Uh-huh. So I broke my neck in high school. And when I got the brace off, my neck was flopping around. And like everything I do, I go overboard. So I started wearing this helmet that weights on it. My neck was always sore. So one day I just picked up a broom and put it on my chin and started to balance. And within a year, I started balancing heavier, heavier things. So bicycles, canoes, kayaks, running lawnmowers. I got all the way up to a 267 pound women's balance beam and had that on my chin for a while. You know, it's a great party trick. I can do five end-to-end -end wine bottles. And whenever I go to kids' parties, I pop them on a chair and they balance on my chin. And we take pictures and we have a lot of fun with it. So that's one crazy world record area. And then on the other weird end of the spectrum, I'm the world's loudest conch blower. Three years straight. You know, down here in the Keys, we have Conch Republic Days, which is a big celebration of Ernest Hemingway and, and all the goofy stuff he did with boxing and arm wrestling and conch blowing. So I've defended my world title now a couple years in a row, and I kind of smoked the competition. It's really, it's not even fair anymore. <laughs> that is great, Pete. Now, do you have a secret to your success with the conch blowing? Well, I was a trombone player for 12 years. And I play bugle. I play bugle in Boy Scouts. My biggest bugle was 79,000 people at a, a Moraine State Park, a huge jamboree. 
And I kind of kept it up. I kind of kept my embouchure up. And, you know, we have conks down in the Florida Keys where I live. So my secret is I went to a wholesaler and I literally blew 200 conks to get the perfect one. And I've got one that she's my baby. That's fantastic. I love it. Well, Pete, I think that's all I have time for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love your enthusiasm. And if we can ever help you out, reach out to Checkpoint and look for me. I'd love to help. If that wasn't quite enough security for you, I've got a playlist of fish fry podcasts that you should check out. In our YouTube playlist called Security on Amelia's Weekly Fish Fry, I investigate a variety of critical security concerns, including the role that software fluency plays in automotive security, why software protection is more important than ever before, and the ethical nature of embedded security. And you can check out this playlist by clicking the link below the player on this week's Fish Frying page on eejournal.com or by simply heading on over to YouTube, youtube.com slash eejournal. So we call Mars the red planet, but maybe it was the blue planet once upon a time. Have you ever considered that the first life in our solar system may not have been found on Earth? Well, a recent study out of the University of Copenhagen, led by Professor Martin Bizarro, believes that Mars was actually the first planet to contain life. Okay, so I think it's pretty safe to say that most researchers agree that there was water on Mars at some point. Now, how much water? Well, that is a point of contention. And this study from the University of Copenhagen contends that 4.5 billion years ago, the entire surface of Mars was covered with a deep, deep ocean, somewhere between 300 meters and 1 kilometer deep. And at that time, there was very little water on Earth. According to this study, sometime within the first hundred million years of its evolution, Mars was bombarded with asteroids filled with ice and organic molecules. And those molecules included biologically relevant molecules like amino acids as well. So how did this team from the University of Copenhagen come up with this idea? Well, it all traces back to a billion-year-old meteorite. So, unlike Earth, because our planet has tectonic plates, which are constantly in motion and continuously recycle the planet's interior, Mars does not have tectonic plates and has been able to maintain a history of its earliest days of existence. And that meteorite I mentioned... Well, that was once part of Mars's original crust and can give us a whole lot of insight about what happened at the time the solar system was created. Professor Martin Bizarro from the Center for Star and Planet Formation at the University of Copenhagen explains the connection between these asteroid collisions with Mars and the beginning of life on Earth. He says, this happened within Mars's first 100 million years. After this period, something catastrophic happened for potential life on Earth. 
It is believed that there was a gigantic collision between the Earth and another Mars-sized planet. It was an energetic collision that formed the Earth-Moon system and at the same time wiped out all potential life on Earth. Wow. So I think this study is only scratching the surface, literally and figuratively, of Mars research. But if you want even more information about this study, I've included a couple links in the YouTube description and on the associated landing page on eejournal.com for this week's Fish Fry Podcast. Hey, have you checked out EE Journal on social media yet? Well, you should. You can find us at facebook.com slash eejournal. If you're into Twitter, you can monitor our tweets at eejournaltfm. And don't forget, if you would like to follow my personal Twitter account, check out Amelia D. 1978. And hey, if LinkedIn is more your thing... Sure, I dig it. You can follow me or us on LinkedIn as well. And we have that YouTube channel I mentioned earlier, youtube.com slash eejournal. Folks, it is chock full of all kinds of techie videos, including our very popular Chalk Talk webcast series hosted by me and a selection of fish fry podcasts as well. And you can subscribe to our EE Journal YouTube channel. I'm just saying. Also, by clicking the links below the player on this week's Fish Frying page, you can subscribe to this here podcast through Spotify, Podbean, or Apple Podcasts. And remember, if you'd like to further support this podcast, please leave me a review on that podcasting platform of your choice. It really does help. Also, if you'd like any further information about the stories covered in today's show, just head on over to eejournal.com and look for this week's Fish Frying page. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you know of any cool new technology or heck you just want to chat, shoot me a line at Amelia, that's A-M-E-L-I-A, at eejournal.com or post a comment on our forums on eejournal. For the week of December 9th, 2022, I'm Amelia Dalton, and you've been fried.